Embrace every mess, give yourself some grace To relax, then chill with this If you wanna laugh, then chill with this Embrace every mess, give yourself some Got a new word for you. What? Parentator. What do you think it means? <laughs> Let's go. What's the word parentator? Darius. Parentator. Parentator. You know what? That, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky oh, one. Not. Yes, it is. I, I have no idea. It sounds something like it's a group. Maybe. Possibly. Keep going. Like a group of people or. It is. Kind of, it's a group of people. It's a group of people. Okay, but I know it's something more in depth. So. Parent mm -hmm. uh, cater. Parent. So when I think here, the, when I hear the prefix of that, it's like dealing something like, I'm thinking like a paraprofessional or a parent. I'm trying to think of words that are similar. Okay, yeah, ding, ding, ding. Parent. Okay. 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 Um, a leader, a guide, some kind of. Parent cater. Parent cater. Someone that caters to. Uh, parent cater. Cater. That, that's. Work with that suffix now. Let's go. Cater. I'm thinking about Destiny's Child cater to you. So I'm thinking about someone that's cater to you. Okay, so like a is it no, so it's nothing to do with the word like cater. cater. No, not the word okay. cater. No. And we're not talking about food this time either. So I'm talking about food. Okay, because you know you'll go so there. You got oh. the parent part right. Okay. So the last part must be I'm not gonna give you the answer. Cater. <laughs> Think okay. what it has to be relevant, right? So I'm not okay. Okay, okay. So, well, I got I got the first part right. Parent, right? Okay. Parent, cater, 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 right? I'll spell it for you. C A T O R. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. I, I'm showing my blonde right now. I have no. I'm kind of. <laughs> I got an apple. Mm. Apple pit. Okay, here we go. So parent cater is the mix the mixing of two words, parent and educator, which are the people who Okay. Are, you know what? It. Now I feel stupid. Now I, when I, you said I, Apple, I was thinking okay, yeah, teaching. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Parent cater. Well, I mean you taught me something today. I you told you made that today. word, but I do want this word to take off because Wait. that's what uh that's what all our parents are right now. That's what we our educators are turning oh, really turning into parent caters. They have to Hold down the parent front and hold down the educator front. So parent yeah. you, happy teacher or happy parent cater week. Happy yeah. parent cater week. Yeah, happy you know, we're gonna have to get t-shirts made. We're gonna have to trademark that because that well, you're gonna that's all you. That's yeah, all you. We we can do this. That's all you. Do this. Hey, I'm I'm no. up for it. Cause you know I don't have a creative like graphic mind like this. <laughs> Embracing every mess. Darius Phelps and Sir Princeton Harden. All right, so welcome to episode two of Embracing Every Mess. I am one of your hosts, Darius Phelps. And I am Sir Princeton Harden. I guess he's one of first off start off by saying happy teacher appreciation week. Yes, happy teacher appreciation week to all of the teachers. And I want to add in the nurses as well, because Nurse Appreciation Day starts on May 6th, which is from when you're hearing it right now, today. So, right, Wednesday, May 6th, 
so yeah, especially with them being frontline workers, especially during this pandemic, it is definitely, definitely needed to show love and appreciation to our all of our healthcare workers, healthcare workers, but especially our nurses right now. Especially the nurses. I have two friends that are nurses, and I can't listen to their stories. Like we can't talk about work. I cannot imagine being in your shoes. And thank you so much for what you are doing. I mean, I can just imagine. I mean, just like the horror stories and dealing with death and dying and just all no, that. You don't, you, that. You don't want to. I when I tell you, they tell me these stories. I'm like, why? Are you telling me this? I don't want to know what happened to somebody's arm. Like. <laughs> It kind of makes you wonder, is that how they feel about us teachers and we start rambling about work and school and our students? People don't like talking to teachers around us. <laughs> the worst. We are the apps. We talk about kids literally all day. And I feel like once we get in this, once we get going, there's no stopping. We just kind of go off on this tangent. We'll start with one small issue and it's like blows into 15 other things. And then I'm that one teacher that says, yo, we are not at work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a shame that some students have that one bad interaction mm -hmm. with the teacher and that shuts down their opinions on teachers for a really long time and so a lot right. of teachers pay for the mistake of one teacher and it's funny you mentioned that like this year i walked into a self-contained eip class and so with that you know academically they're already low but what many people don't tell you is just how low they are with self-esteem mm -hmm. and the trauma that comes along with teaching those kids. Trauma is it, the biggest part. It really is the biggest part and you have to really slowly, and there's no paperwork on what their triggers are. There's no paperwork on the amount of trauma they've been through or what you may do or what somebody else in the room may do that triggers off that trauma. Correct. And it's even, a lot. And even when you do go and get the information or you're asking parents different information, you can only go off of what they tell you. Right. I mean, so you, right. it takes a lot to really truly dig into what's happening with some of our students and why they have some of the triggers that they do. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you slowly may discover there are new triggers that no one else knows about. That's the bad, that's the hard part. Sometimes they don't know what their triggers are. Right, right. It could be one thing one day, then two days later, it's something completely different. Something completely different. And it's funny you mentioned that. There's a quote I found on Twitter from Golden Girl 617. She says, your trauma isn't an excuse to traumatize others. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty deep. Because I feel like that not only applies to the students, but that can apply to relationships, coworkers, administrators. I mean, just life in general. I am Tabitha Brown. Always ends her little snippets with... Um, <clears throat> Have a good day, and even, and even if you don't, don't uh -huh. mess up nobody else's. That's exactly <laughs> what this is. Like, yeah. it's, like yeah. you know, it's, it doesn't matter what you've been through. Don't purposely, you know, go and mess up someone else's because right. you have to take the time to. You don't know what someone else is going through. Exactly. You know I mean, exactly. Like, you don't know my story. You don't know how many people are smiling through the pain every day. Exactly. Yeah, you want that brain front, like, you know, they could be the most bubbliest person and have the worst life once they step outside that classroom or that door, wherever you are. You never know. My question to my students, I always say, when I ask you, how are you doing? Please tell me if it's not okay. You may not have, you may not tell me everything. You may not break it down. You can just honestly say, Mr. Harden, I'm not having a good day. Right. From there, 
I can say, well, is there something that I can do? Mm -hmm. You know, this way they're thinking, well, what can he do? Because I want to provide them with an environment that if they just dealt with a death before they walk into the school, you know, something like that, because that happens. You know, students that get text messages from parents in the middle of the day saying that an auntie died. You know, so you never know exactly what those students are going through. So if you don't take the time to ask and then Mm -hmm. follow up, what can I do for you? And then... You know, later on that day, you see them again. Are you feeling any better? Is there something I can do? Because honestly, I'd rather a child tell me, yes, I just need to sit in the back real quick. Right. And just don't call on me for a minute. I can right. handle that. You know, I could say, okay, because I don't want to call and harp on you and mm-hmm. dealing with something mm-hmm. you just found out. About. Right. Like you just need some space. And that's the thing. Emotion is so complex. And especially with like teaching middle grades, they don't really know how to express some of the things they're feeling. Right. There's a girl I think before we got out with COVID-19, she had just lost her grandfather, wasn't even in my class. Her mm-hmm. teacher was out that day, so she was in my room. And I was like, hey, you know, what's wrong? Because I tell my kids, I tell them up front, look, I'm having a bad day. I just need 15 minutes to get myself together. I was running late this morning. I, I have an open door policy. I just tell them everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell them, I'm always be up front with you no matter what it is I'm going through. Just left a meeting, hey, it didn't go well. I just need some time. So this little girl came in and she was like, she was just numb. You can tell she was just kind of just floating. And I'm like, hey, you're with me today. Is everything okay? You need to go. I had a peace corner in my room this year. I was like, you need to go sit down and take a moment to get yourself together. Three hours later, I'm like, hey, you okay? I mean, she's just literally like staring at the wall three hours straight. Hmm. I'm like, Are you okay? It seems like something's wrong. Like, you, can, you can tell me. You know, what you say is between you and I. No one else has, you know, I'm not going to go tell anybody else. The teacher down the hall let the rest of my kids know you just you know i want to create that safe environment where you can trust me right she's like my grandfather just died so i feel like that was opportunity for me to tell her hey that was the biggest loss i've suffered in my life i know what you're going through i lost my grandfather he was you know my dad he was like my best friend he was more than just a grandfather to me so i completely understand what you're going through right you know just take that time i feel like that's key with relationship building with kids you need you have i feel like honesty is always the key and that creates a secure bond so therefore they feel like they can come talk to you from then on you know no matter what it is they're going through it could be a the biggest issue or something even small like hey i didn't bring my homework today mm. you no longer fear having to tell your teacher that because you have that bond knowing they're going to listen and understand where i'm coming from it does help with that bond um also i tell them if you're not comfortable telling me everything tell me what you need me to know right what do you need me to know because some kids often feel like whatever they tell you, you're going to automatically tell the principal and somehow they're going to always get in trouble. Even if or the counselor is going to come investigate or, you know, all right. those kind of higher order things. You're like, no, I'm literally, I just want you to talk to me. Right. I'm not going to go tattletale, you know, so to speak, and tell somebody else. This is strictly between you and I. Right. But, you know, we, I, I kind of grew up in a household where it says you don't tell the family business. Right. <laughs> So right. Like, what happens between these four walls stays in these four walls. Right. And it's hard to teeter on that line of, I know that is how a lot of people still raise mm-hmm. their house. Because in some sense, no, no, no one needs to know everything goes, that goes on inside your house. But right. the, the important things, things that could lead you to, lead you into depression, mm-hmm. that may be something that the school needs to know. Because... Right. We have to deal, well, not right now, but we have to deal with you quite often. 
And right. it's important for us to know uh, what's going on with you so we can know how to adapt to whatever changes you need. I used to love to draw, so I would keep a sketchbook. I wasn't much of a talker, but when I felt down or when I started to get, feel myself getting to what, you know, I didn't know back then was a depression, I would sketch, I would draw. And just getting that out of my mind on the paper brought me a sense of peace. Escapism has always been my, my method. Um, is that healthy? Probably not. Um, <laughs> right. But I remember as a kid, if something was going on, as soon as no one was in the house, Mm -hmm. I was running through the house, uh, like having a party. I had parties. <laughs> like I partied all the time. Um, if it was a favorite song, I would sing it. If it was a musical, I was acting it out. If it was a movie, I was acting. I mean, that's how I dealt with Got it. it out. Even now, if sometimes the more animated I am, mm -hmm. you know, it's because it's fun. You know, you get to kind of escape whatever is happening. So if something is going on, my kind of animation makes me feel better. And I'll go and I'll deal with it later. When I, when well, I, I was just going to ask you, do you feel like you just escape, you know, you find that route of escapism and you just kind of just push it to the side? Do you feel like it comes back up later to bite you in the butt, so to speak? Or do you just go ahead and address it head on? Like I know for me, when I was drawing, what I put on the paper, that was it. And I felt some kind of relief. And then when I started writing, when I write poems, okay, it's on the paper, that's me getting it out. So it's like, that's kind of my way of finding some sort of healing. I feel like as far as for teaching, I think I found the perfect field because right. you have to act inside the classroom. You know, mm -hmm. there are days that you just don't have it and you have to act. Some, days, some days performances may be better than others, mm -hmm. but for the most part, you're acting. So me, pouring into those kids, that acting that I'm doing, like I was doing when I was a kid, acting, trying to be animated. Those things, actually, it brings me joy. So when I go back and the kids are gone and, you know, there's, it's just me, whatever it was that I was dealing with, I feel more resolved about. I can relate to that, though, because I'm, I'm a giver. I like to make other people happy. Right. So I feel like by pouring myself, like you were saying, into the kids or we're helping to work through their problems, I'm taking my mind off of my own. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, you know, you feel better. You're like, okay, I've done something worthwhile. I don't feel so worthless or I'm not pounding on what was going on before. This is true. This is true. And so I feel like a lot of times as teachers, that goes back into, really for me, like I'm taking this quarantine time for self-reflection. Mm -hmm. I'm literally, I don't have 30 kids where I'm trying to make sure you're good, you're good, you know, I'm taking care of everybody and not focusing on me. I've been taking this last two months now to really just sit back and reevaluate some things and make sure I'm okay. Right. Because I feel like as teachers, we're constantly putting other people before ourselves, but I feel like this quarantine time has really made me, will force me to really self-reflect. I have nobody else to really worry about at night but me. Right. And I like things that probe me into self-reflection. So, for example, reading. So, uh, I picked up The Seat of the Soul by Gary Zukov. So, I'm going to start reading that. You know, I just... Finding different books and finding ways to to think about what could possibly be happening or what should I be reflecting on. Right. That, for me, that's that works best. Mm -hmm. Writing it out. I you we talked about me and writing last week. Right. <laughs> things out just it, it will frustrate me more. 
Right. Like if I start reading a book and I'll read a passage and I'll see a couple of lines that'll be like, mm. you know, when you read that line, you're like, whew, okay, that was for me. <laughs> that was for yeah, me. Like that, that hit, like that hit, yeah. That gives me a chance to process at that point because I will no longer be able to read, but I'll think about how those two lines apply to whatever it is that I'm dealing with. And then I'll come to some kind of conclusion or I've, I'll figure out I'm not going to have a conclusion, read on, and maybe something else later will help me get towards that, uh, that conclusion that I'm seeking. So one thing I found out about this year with my kids, going back to what we're saying about trauma, a lot of their triggers were not apparent at first. Right. I don't know whether it's because they were still trying to figure me out. I was still trying to figure them out. And I had like one kid that I mentored last year when he was in third. So we already had a tight bond. So they're looking at us and like, what y'all got going on? You know, so they were kind of on edge about that. But then as their triggers started to slowly come through, I think they opened up more to me. And I opened up more to them. I was, I've always been transparent about my upbringing. You know, I was raised in a single parent home by my mom with the help of my grandparents, but I've never met my biological father. Like he hasn't been in my life since I was six months old. And I found out most of my boys, I had, 11 boys in my class, about seven or eight of them didn't know their dads either. And I can't remember how we got the topic of that, but somehow it came up and I was just being open and honest, like, it's okay if you don't have a dad. I don't know my dad either. But you, you know, I feel like trial, and I would tell them trials come to make you stronger, but I feel like I wouldn't be the man I am today had he been in my life. You know, I feel like I turned out pretty good despite my situation. And that's when I found out a lot of my boys like, well, I don't know my dad either. But that's something I feel like if we hadn't had that conversation or if it wasn't just naturally brought up, they, you know, those are triggers I would have known had been for them. You know, I wouldn't known that those were their triggers. Because now you're, you're building a bond. You know, mm -hmm. the kids are able to trust you. So when it comes to their academics or how they're doing in other classes, when you tell them and their parents, hey, trust the process, it's not going to be easy. Um, right. Well, that is not when you when you have built a bond with the student, it makes you saying trust the process actually something that's really easy for them to believe because mm -hmm. you know people all the time trust the process, but if there is no relationship, there can't be any trust. Right. It's one of those easier said than done. Right. Because it's like you have to have trust in order for people to believe you. And then once they believe you, you can teach them whatever it is that you need to teach. Kids will talk to the moon. You know, they, right. will, they will learn. Because they feel like you believe in them and they know you've proven to them. You've shown, like, goes back to saying actions speak louder than words. You say it, but you've also shown them, hey, I know you can do it. I know what you're capable of. You can accomplish anything. They love it when you don't give up on them because so many times a lot of them have been told, you know, don't worry about it. Well, forget about it. Or I'll mm -hmm. do it instead of you doing right. it. You know, when you, I love having an instance where a child says they can't do something and I say, I bet you can. Mm -hmm. And then within two minutes, they're, they're doing it because right. you just, you just increase their confidence in themselves mm -hmm. because they don't, sometimes they, they don't even want to try to figure stuff out. Right. Or they're not used to someone saying, Hey, you can do it. They may just be like, Oh, you showed me the first time you can't do it. Oh, I'll do it for you. Mm -hmm. Or forget about it like you were saying but when you show them i know you can do it. i have a student that every time she raises her hand i just i lean back and i kind of cross my arms and <laughs> i'll listen for her question right uh, because she does it 
every time. Anytime it's a question, I do this because she she has proven to me that she knows every mm -hmm. she knows the answer before she asks the question. I right. so I don't know if she does it sometimes to troll me. I'm like, are you trolling me? I'm saying because they do that for fun. She, she's like, she'll tell me the answer as she's asking the question. I'll just fold my arms and look at her, and I'm like, did you just hear what you said? And she'll be like, she'll say it back to herself and she'll slow down. And then she'll go, ah. Oh. <laughs> but she feels confident and I feel confident. Every time she asks me a question, I can look, look at her, cross my arms, kind of give her a little lean back, like, I can't wait for you to give me the answer. Mm -hmm. And she'll look at me and she'll be like, why do you always do that? I said, because you know it, you have it, right. you can do it. Right. And I've never given her an answer. I will. Not, I refuse to give her answers, and she figures it out. And she's always so much. She's so appreciative. Like, thank you for not telling me, because once I found it, it was like so easy, or it was right here, or you know, I had it in my notes right here, or I remembered it when you said something else. So you have to build that relationship, also by just believing in them. You know, that goes for your kids too at the at the house. Right. You know, they'll do more when you believe in them. Mm -hmm. But see, it's funny, I, I feel like a lot of it also can go back into trauma too, because she may be used to someone giving her, what, five seconds. If you don't mm -hmm. answer in five seconds, moving on, I'm asking Bobby in the back to replace you with answering the question. Right. I love that you allowed her time and created that space where she felt comfortable to take that pause or, to, you know, repeat the question, whether it is out loud. You still gave her that opportunity to shine. And it's like so many kids don't get that chance because, you know, People give up on them. They're used to people being like, okay, you can't answer within five seconds. Moving on to the kids who's smarter. But I feel like a lot of times we don't realize these kind of actions are what also leads to building trauma in these kids. Right. Now, one kid that slept in the hall all year last year. Okay. Slept in the hallway because, okay, he was literally hunched over. Like, you know, there's a fire drill, you know, stop, drop, and roll, cover your head. He's asleep in the hallway. Because no one from K through third took the time to really see how he learned and really saw what he knew. Everybody's automatically just kind of like, oh, you're the sleeper. Go sleep in the corner. Oh, so they just like let him go places and go to sleep. Yeah, and so I guess last year they got so tired of him being sleeping in the class, they put him outside in the hall. And that's one thing I do not believe in is putting kids outside sending kids out of my room. I don't do that. I don't, no, I don't call anybody to come help me. I don't send anybody across the hall. No, what's in my room is my problem and I deal with it. Not every um, teacher is equipped to right. deal with certain scenarios and not certain schools are mm -hmm. equipped to provide their teachers with the support they need in those situations. Because right. instantly it tells me if no one contacted parents, you know, if no one did uh tried to do any kind of restorative practice with this kid before just sitting right. down the hallway that tells me that there's no relationship with that student there's no relationship with their parent and right. more than likely the parents are talking trash about the school and the school is probably <laughs> talking trash about the parent. you know that just tells me that there's a lot off because those you do have those kids that come you to gotta be the same age to work and, and it could be nothing on you. And most of the time, it's not you. It's what you were talking about earlier. It's the trauma. You know, it has nothing to do with you, but no one 
took the time to even be concerned that right. the kid is sleeping because he couldn't be he could not be getting sleep at home. He could be well. Come to find out, he was up. He was up on that playing Fortnite. But see, like you were saying before, no one was on the same page. There was a lack of communication. When I got down to the bottom of it, the kid was up on that playing Fortnite, but no one was really calling the parents to see, hey, why was this happening? Yeah. Or hey, it's somewhere I can incorporate Fortnite to my lesson plans where he wants to really do something. Now that's the plan. See, and that's when they were like, what did you do? I'm like, I just asked him, what do you, what do you want to do in life? Do you really want to learn? Do you want to be here? He told me, he was like, I may play video games, but I'm more than just that. He goes, no one asked me why I stay up all night playing video games. He goes, I'm bored. I need something that interests me. This is true. And that's so Once I asked him that, he was like, if you're willing to work with me, I want to learn. And that is the, uh, that's the conundrum teachers really face these days. Mm -hmm. We're up against Fortnite. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Travis Scott, did you see that? I mean, really? I, I, you, who can compete with Fortnite? You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like you have to create an environment that the student is comfortable to open up and want to learn. And if you are able to include Fortnite, their interests into that, right. you can now call mom or dad and be like, hey, I saw blah, blah, blah. And uh, we were talking about Fortnite. He's such an awesome player at Fortnite. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you for, you know, allowing me time to, you know, talk about Fortnite with them. I'm going to make sure I include some stuff in, you know, the lessons about it. Right. Had a parent contact. It was a positive phone call. And so now you got, you got blah, 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 exactly where you, where you want them. Because now if he does give you some pushback about an assignment, you and parent, you and the parents already, you're good. They're like, oh, he knows that foundation. He knows my son likes Fortnite. Okay, mm -hmm. well hey, blah, 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 get to work. You know what I mean? Right. So you'll, have that, you'll have that support, but you have, it's the teachers going out and trying to force it. Now, I do know that teachers have more, in some cases, over 150 students, so it's hard right. to... It's hard to build that relationship and have that intimate connection with all of your kids. There always can be that one kid you feel like you didn't do enough for, or that one kid realize, I really don't know nothing about um, and feel bad. Corner. Right. Yeah. yeah feel bad. You know, we're the kind of people we look at ourselves and we beat ourselves up like, ooh, I didn't try hard enough. Like, well, why didn't I know your birthday was yesterday? Or why didn't I know, you know, so right. these are things that people don't really take into consideration sometimes. Like just that extra knowledge that you need to know about those kids and so many kids in some cases. Cause I remember when I had over 175 kids. Right. I had 175 kids and me just knowing names was like, who? Yeah. yeah. You know, because you only see them for, you know, 45 minutes a day. So mm -hmm. I only see you for this long, but I have to build that relationship. So, yeah, I do know it's hard for teachers to really get a true understanding of each and every kid. Right. But putting forth the effort, kids know which teachers care and which teachers don't. They, they do. They, they, do. Out, they talk to each other about it. Um, they may act like they don't like you, but secretly you're one of their favorite people. Yep. Just, yep. It's just how it is. So what would be your takeaways from today? My takeaways from today. One, there are things that are out of my control. Okay. But 
I feel like if you listen to your heart and lead with your heart and do things with love, you can pretty much break any barrier. It may take a while. You know, like we were talking about trauma and triggers and relationship building. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you truly are invested in what you do and you mean it, I feel like it shows. And I guess my takeaway will be <clears throat> start with yourself, being kind, being kind to yourself and taking time out to figure yourself out, self-awareness. Yes, the ripple effect. It's like the ripple effect. Because once you're, you are aware with yourself and aware of what you're going through, you can then hopefully send positive energy out to everybody else. And mm -hmm. once you're able to do that, everything dealing with this crisis and everything dealing with teaching and being a parent in such a time as now, it'll start to, it'll start to get a little bit easier. But you have to take the time out to really self-reflect, like for me, is reading. Yeah, yeah. And Harris is, likes to write. So, you know, you do whatever you, you have to do to help yourself maintain awareness. And that wraps up this week's episode of Embracing Every Mess, your safe haven for teachers. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and the stepmoms too. Have a blessed one.